Hello, dear parents. Welcome to my podcast. I am Pamela Query, and this is How to Parent Peacefully. Welcome to episode 74 of the podcast, where I am talking about why parenting is so hard in our society, why we need our community around us in order to raise children. And of course, I'm going to talk about some really practical things we can do to build community, to build the village that we need. But I really want to talk about why parenting is so very hard whenever we are parenting in isolation. And this has come about through an article that I read a few weeks ago, and it is stuck in my mind, and I've been thinking about it ever since, and I've been talking about it to my clients and to my friends and to other parents about it ever since. And it's resonated so deeply with me and with the other parents that I've talked about that I decided I want to talk about it some more on the podcast. Um, And it's an article written by Peter Gray, uh, a researcher into education and learning and children. And he writes a lot in psychology today and he wrote this article and it's written, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's like 10 years ago, but he keeps uh, republishing these articles, which is really great. uh, So it always reaches a new audience. Um, um, But this this particular article, and I will link it in the show notes, it's still worth reading, is it's called Beyond Attachment to Parents, Children Need Community. So I talk a lot about how it takes a community to raise children. We've all heard of the saying, it takes a village to raise a child. And I'm always talking about this and reminding myself and reminding parents whenever parenting is really hard, uh, that one of the reasons it's really hard is because of how we parent in today's society. I so often hear from parents who are saying, you know, I've been trying my best, it gets, I've been playing with my kids all day and then it gets to bedtime and I'm just exhausted and I lose patience and how can we, how can I be more patient with my kids uh, or maybe over the summer holidays or midterm whenever parents and often mothers are spending huge amounts of time on their own with their kids and they're saying, you know, how can I be better at this? Why is this so hard? Uh, and we tend to, in this individualistic society we live in, we tend to blame ourselves. You know, what, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong here? I need to up my game. I need to find new strategies. I need to do better. And in fact, what I want to talk about today is that it's not you. You're not failing in any way. You're not um, getting it wrong. It's not that you're not working hard enough as a parent. You are working hard enough. You're working, you've probably never worked harder on anything in your whole life. But what I want to look at today is taking that blame away from individual parents and looking at that community of how we were meant to raise parents, how we were meant to raise parents. Yes, actually, how we were meant to raise children, how we were meant to raise parents in our community um, in a way that's supportive of everybody. So I think it really helps us to, to dig down into this. Uh, this idea that it takes a village to raise a child. What does that actually look like? How does that differ from today? And whenever we get that um, perspective of how we evolved to be in community and how that's actually changed so much and how it's morphed into how we are living today in our nuclear families, when we really get into the detail of that, I think it just, I mean, for me, this is what blew me away about this article. I could actually visualize how it is meant to be living in community, living in proper uh, close quarters community with other parents, other adults, other children, 
and the difference that that would make and it, then that comes into harsh contrast with how we are living now and whenever we have that contrast we can have such we can cultivate this really deep compassion towards ourselves and our children for why it's so hard so i want to get into some of the detail of what this article is and i really recommend you going and reading this article yourself as well it's quite short actually it's quite uh, easy to read and i'm going to talk about the main concepts in it here now anyway um and uh, but I, I i encourage you to go and read the article as well because peter gray writes it beautifully so um and the, so this is it the way we look at it is that through most of human history we lived in really close quarters with other family members and extended family and other uh, other adults that we had grown up with and we know really well and and um that we spend day in day out we know them really really well and so the nuclear family as we know it now it is actually totally abnormal in terms of how we evolved to live and to raise our young so i think it's important to remember that we are living in an unnatural environment and when we grew up like that and are surrounded by it it can be hard to see it can hard to see the water when you're a fish swimming in it right so um the situation we have now is that one or two adults spend extended amounts of time with one or more children um, in the small family unit and this is completely unnatural and that's why it's so hard it's not because you're getting it wrong you're not trying hard enough it's because we weren't meant to live like this so let's look at how we were meant to live how we evolved over tens of thousands of years how we evolved to live in community um, and I just want to say, you know, humans are highly adaptable species. We can live under all kinds of conditions, um, you know, through extreme cold, extreme heat and everything in between. But we are the, the common thread is that we are designed to live in community. Children develop best in community. Um, and I think, you know, when we go to the zoo and we see animals that have been very much removed from their natural environment, like, you know, that's the, the, the lion, the lion pacing the enclosure in the zoo, you know, these animals, they survive, they've got all their basic needs met. So a lot of stress is to actually take an out for them because they're very comfortable. Uh, but we intuitively know that that isn't how they are supposed to live. They aren't thriving. They, um, and they really struggle. You see animals that are housed in these ways and we intuitively know that this isn't how they were meant to live. So let's, so really what's happening at the minute in Western society is that we are living in this really unnatural environment. So let's have a look at what the human's natural habitat actually is. How did we evolve to live and interact together? So. We evolved and for most of human, for the vast majority of human history, we were hunter gatherers. Um, and what that looked like was that we lived in bands of between 20 and 50 people, somewhere like something like that. And, you know, families uh, would have slept together in huts. Um, and then during the daytime, we would have spent all of our waking hours outdoors together with the other extended family and the other members of the tribe. So we would never really have been on our own. We would always have these people. And of course, these are people that we've known since infanthood and have grown up with so that they're not strangers. They're people that we know everything about them. We know them really, really well growing up with them. And uh, in these in these tribes, children would have always been with other children they would have been in these mixed age groups from babies right up the infants toddlers 
children, older children, teenagers, and into adulthood, young adults, older people, and um, all the way through. So children would be mixing in these very much mixed age groups all the way through. Now, children, of course, they would have had a really special bond with their own parents, and they would have known who their own parents were and had that special relationship with them. Um, but they also would have formed really close attachments with every single other adult in the band. And th that's the thing, because children would be forming these close attachments with other um, with all these other adults. So what that does is it shares the responsibility of taking care of children across all age groups um, and all the adults would have played their part. So it wasn't the direct responsibility of the parent to be involved in every single aspect of raising their child. That responsibility was shared by the whole group. And of course, the whole group would have had common ideas um, around how children were raised. Everyone would be on the same page. Everyone would be doing things the same way. So there wouldn't be conflict in terms of that. Um, and parents didn't own their children, you know, in, in modern society, it's often nearly seen that parents own their children and they are the ones responsible and the ones who make all the decisions around their children. And that would not have been the case in these older societies that children would have belonged to the entire community and child raising was the responsibility of the entire community. And now so often it falls on the parents and so often it falls on the mother or, or, or the person who is that primary carer role takes on all the responsibility of raising um, of raising their child or their children. And that's a huge emotional burden to bear. Um, it's huge responsibility. And that's why it feels so hard. It's not because you're incapable um, or you're not doing it right or you're not you know, adulting well enough. Um, it's because you weren't meant to. It was meant to be a shared thing. Um, and of course, this this sharing of responsibility and sharing of, of, of parenting, it made really good evolutionary sense because if something happened to the parent, that would mean that the child had many others to support them and to raise them. And it wouldn't be this like catastrophic event for the child um, if a parent was lost, there would be other people to step in and to support the child. Um, and and the other important thing is that the children each child would grow up feeling really connected to everybody in the tribe and they would develop these relationships these intricate relationships with multiple people and that would of course continue into adulthood and they would get to know these adults and these other children really well and that develops a lot of empathy and a lot of cohesion within the group and a shared understanding shared scope shared goals between each other and you know, this would really guarantee the well-being and the cohesion of the band. It would minimise conflict and everybody would be on the same page and everybody would understand each other really well. Um, and so that's how we that's how we are designed to raise children. And if you think about how, how mothering is, how it is to become a mother, um, and I'm, t I'm saying mother because um, by far in our Western society, mothers take on the bulk of the burden in terms of child rearing and the emotional input. Um, and especially in those early months of breastfeeding um, and one-to-one -one taking care of a very small infant. So um, if, we, if we were in this more hunter-gatherer type experience, it would also mean that the mother, even after having a child, the mother is able to continue her life without a huge amount of interruption. So she, she would continue with her daily tasks, with her role in the in the tribe that would not be changed 
And she also wouldn't be isolated from the tribe. She, um, uh, she would still have all those social support. She would still have all those adult relationships. None of those would change. Um, and she would be supported in, in those early months and then on into young childhood. She would, uh, her role wouldn't actually change a whole lot. And if we contrast that with how it is to become a mother now, where you, you know, you, you stop working, you're suddenly isolated in your house for long periods of time while everybody else is at work and you are isolated on your own with a small child, with a baby, trying to meet all of their needs, feeding, and also trying to um, do all the other things, get back into life and possibly look after other children. Uh, and it's a very, very isolating experience. And that's not how it was meant to be. And um, we look at the rates of like postnatal depression and, and we, we compare that to how our hunter gatherers would have um, would have treated new mothers, they would not have been left on their own, they would not have been isolated, we would have been surrounded by other people who had been through the same thing and who got it and would be there to support us and help us and make sure we were eating well and really taking care of us and and taking care of our babies and um, uh, and yeah, it's just it sounds it sounds so much more nurturing and supportive of new mothers and um, rather than isolating us on our own. Um, so um, I think that at no point would a new mother be isolated from the community um, and she would certainly not spend extended amounts of time on her own with her young children that simply would never have happened in these societies. So in the article, Peter Gray, he talks about a group of researchers who studied a hunter gatherer tribe called the FA people, EFE. Um, the FA people live in the Congo basin and they're one of the few remaining true hunter gatherer tribes. And researchers spent time with them and they studied the relationship between the young children and the adults in the tribe. And Peter Gray in his article summarizes some of the points that these researchers find whenever they studied the FA tribe. And what they found was that, first of all, when an FA baby is born, uh, the first the, 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 the baby, the new baby is actually handed around all the members of the tribe to hold as, as soon as the baby's born. And they all hold the women and the children in the hut, in the birthing hut, and then outside around all the other adults in the tribe. And then actually the last person to hold the baby is the mother. And that is about the even young babies have this sense of belonging to community and this is something they do um, to the, the child is welcomed into the tribe and they know from the get go that all these people are looking out for them and all these people are supporting them and loving them and it's all about community. And I just think that's such a lovely, a lovely tradition um, and then young babies are nursed not just by their mothers but also by other lactating women in in the band most of whom aren't genetic relatives of the mother so can you know can you imagine that uh if you if the feeding of your baby was shared between other women i mean i just think that's amazing and i certainly would have absolutely loved that whenever i was breastfeeding my own children just to be able to uh to share that with others um, and that's a real bonding thing as well. Now, the next thing they observed, which I find really fascinating, is that uh, 
even from the age of like four to six months old and up into um, through that young babyhood and into toddlerhood um, that the researchers observed how much time these toddlers, these babies and toddlers spent with adults or and, and also other children in the tribe and how much time they spent in contact with different people. And um, what they found was, um, on average, the researchers found that infants are in contact with a single person, whether that's a man, a woman, or a child, or young adult. With So the infants are in contact with a single person for only three minutes on average before moving on to another person throughout the day. So this is what raising children in community is, is that you, you spend three minutes and if you actually observe young young toddlers, if they're at, you know, if you're at a family gathering and there's a toddler, a small toddler there wandering around amongst the adults and children, you will actually see that they will do this, that they will go up to one person and that person will delight in them. They're like, you know, you actually feel kind of like um, with my little niece, if she comes over to me, I'm delighted. I'm like, feel really honored that she has come over to to give me some of her attention and I get to interact with her. And I will play with her, I'll make eye contact, I'll tune into her and I'll delight in her. And then, you know, after a couple of minutes, she's away to the next person, find out what else interesting is going on. Um, so we, we do observe this really naturally, but can you imagine like, and I just think of the, the long days I spent with my own kids, um, the long afternoons of like trying to play with them and read them stories and just feeling really done and not even have time to, to drink a cup of tea on my own or, um, and just to, to think about how uh, young babies, how they and toddlers are meant to like cycle around all these different adults and children and to really be able to interact with them three minutes at a time. That's the, the, the total of what they'd spend with any one adult, including their parents. So I just think that is such stark contrast to how we raise children now. And then as the children grow older, they start to spend more and more time with the other children, with the older children. Um, and that is a huge part of their, you know, they're getting all their needs for play met and then they'll come to adults uh, whenever, whenever they need to, whenever they need, you know, food or whenever they need like a hug or a little bit of reassurance, then they will come to an adult and spend a few minutes and then they can go back to playing with the kids again. And I have really observed this in my own family whenever we have an annual family holiday where we all get together for a week and depending on who's around each year, it tends to be my siblings and sometimes my some of my cousins and um, my aunties and uncles um, and then all the children and there's a big band of children. And what I absolutely love about that is like that's the closest that I um, come to this kind of um, feeling of living in community and it's just a week a year but what I notice in those situations is that the adults are all sharing the workload and we take it in turns to make dinner and the ones with younger babies they're exempt from the dinner duties and they get uh, dinner and all meals made for them all week um, and you know so those adults that have more capabilities that, and more more able to uh, do the cooking do that and then the children 
they all they just play together and they aren't they have no interest in hanging out with the adults and they come to adults when they need to or um when they need a little bit of help or they need fed and then the younger uh, the younger babies are entertained by the older ones and the older ones take a huge interest in the in the little babies as well and are happy to help out and to keep them entertained and can do that much better than adults and then also importantly, the, the adults we are, I'm having my needs met for company and for social support and just been able to spend time with other adults and talk and not be on my own. I'm not just, you know, it's so different when you are there on your own with children to look after, as opposed to having a few other adults where you can chat to them, talk about plans, um, you know, talk about what you're, how you're going to spend the day or just having social interaction as well. And for that week, I find parenting so joyful and so much easier. Um, and, you know, so and it's really interesting reading what the FA people do and how they interact. And it's it's really very similar to how whenever we set it up like that, that we we like it's like we revert back into that and it all falls into into place. And I, I've always said about when, when we do these family holidays that it feels really natural and it feels like a great way to raise children. And it's, I mean, it's not natural in today's world because, you know, everybody has to go off and earn a living and um, we all live in our separate places. But for that one week, um, it feels it, it feels really a natural way to be with others and to be with my children. And then it's no surprise that the researchers observed that the FA infants and toddlers of all ages are remarkably cheerful, they're not fussy, um, and, and, and perhaps this is because of all the attention they receive from so many different people. Um, so the, the researchers reported that the children were mainly always in a good mood, they were, they were always smiling, bright-eyed, attentive, um, about 90% of the time. And what Peter Gray then comments is that, you know, that uh, treating children ba badly is nearly impossible in hunter-gatherer bands, whether intentional or unintentional. You know, if a mother or a father gets irritated, gets angry um, and starts treating or an, any parent, any adult in the tribe starts um you know, is struggling and gets impatient or cross with the child, then immediately others in the band will step in and will take over and will take care of the parent and will take care of the child. Um, and, you know, the, so what's happening is the childcare is very public. Um, that's that you're surrounded by other adults who are observing what's happening in a supportive way. So they will pick up straight away if you're struggling and they'll just come and step in and to carry that load for you and you know so say if if you are feeling tired if you haven't been well if you're just you know in in a bad mood about something then there's other adults there who can step in and who can who can help you with the parenting so you're not left to deal with this child when you've got your own stuff going on um and then of course because all the adults are involved in you know, from childhood all the way through, everybody's mixing and interacting that, you know, people have, young adults will have a lot of experience in interacting with, with um, younger children and supporting them and helping them. Um, uh, so that whenever they become parents themselves, it comes very naturally to them. Um, and it's not such a huge shock in our society often. I know when I became a parent, I hadn't spent a lot of time with young children and I didn't really understand <laughs> what it involved and um, I didn't have a lot of experience of it. And that would simply never happen in those tribes. And I think that 
this idea of having other adults step in whenever you're struggling. Um, and I've had my own experience of that as well. And it's been so helpful and it's really helped me to see um, what it is we need as parents whenever we're struggling. And my experience of this came whenever my sister over the COVID lockdown, my sister lived with us for, she came for a couple of months and she ended up living with us for about two and a half years, which was a really amazing experience just to have another adult who was invested in my kids and who um, could, could support us and help us all as a family. And what happened on quite a few occasions is that, um, uh, you know, I remember one particular incident where I was struggling with bedtime uh, and I was I was really triggered. Um, my nervous system was in high alert. I had, co of course, been with the kids all day long. It come to bedtime. I was exhausted and my nervous system. I was in fight or flight. I was I was not well regulated. And my um, one of my kids was needing a little bit of help and I wasn't able to offer that because I was exhausted, I was tired, I was triggered. And of course, whenever we come to when we start interacting with our children, with our children, with an activated nervous system, when we have got the adrenaline pumping and we're not very calm, then our kids respond to that and they're they lose their um, well regulated nervous system, they go into fight or flight as well. And the next thing is, we're at loggerheads, we are, um, you know, shouting, bickering, getting annoyed at each other, very not gentle parenting going on at all. And this this happened on this occasion. And my sister, who um, has who came in with her very well-regulated, calm nervous system, she just came along. She could see exactly what was happening straight away. And she just stepped in and took over without any fuss or without you know, any judgment at all, just came in with loads of empathy. Um, and she was able to just hang out with with my child and immediately that just calmed the situation, I was able to take time out and get myself together. Um, and she was able to hang out with my child and just with her calm nervous system, my daughter responded to that her nervous system came back into balance really quickly and the whole situation was just diffused. So I think it's really important to remember in those situations when you are in this close emotional relationship with your child and the whole thing suddenly blows up in your face and and everybody is dysregulated that it's not that you're getting it wrong and it's not that you're you're not trying hard enough or that you failed as a parent it's that you just need some extra help and you need like what you just need in that moment is my really calm sister with her and um, well regulated system just to step in and say oh do you need a bit of help here okay let me take over um and you know that that's that's all you need we're only human and being human means that we rely on each other that's how we've been so successful in in this in this um, planet is that we we have grown we've evolved to rely on each other so whenever we don't have each other to rely on it becomes intensely difficult to raise young children and um you know human children take a lot of raising you know, compared to a lot of other animal species um and it takes a huge investment and the reason we've been able to do that is by living in really close community and when we take that community out it becomes intensely intensely difficult so it's not a feeling on your part so i want you to i invite you to take a moment to, to imagine living like this where the responsibility of parenting was shared by the whole community, where you only spent like three minutes at a time interacting with your child 
imagine that you know you can and then you're so delighted to interact with them because you know it's only going to be a few minutes and off they go um to play with some other kids or to interact with some other adults um so those interactions become highlights of your day and little special moments where um you are really delighted to interact with your child and re imagine a society where you have all your social needs met and so does your child your child has you know, when children have other children to play with, they're not interested in screens, they're not interested in annoying you about different things, their behaviour is usually completely fine. It's, yes, sometimes they need a little bit of support, but whenever they're actually in mixed age groups as well, they tend to interact really well as a group and they're getting all their needs met and they just come to you when they need you, like a touchstone point, instead of um, being being one-to-one -one in your company all the time. Um, and you're, you, so you, your child's getting their needs met with lots of other children to play with and you're getting your needs met you're around family around community around people that get you and understand you you're not on your own trying to figure out what are we having for dinner tonight again i have to think of it all myself and i need to get to the shops and how am i going to manage it um and then this really important part of like if you get annoyed or if you're feeling tired if you're on your period um, then another adult would just immediately and automatically just step in and fill that gap and support you with whatever you need it and take care of your child so that you had the space you needed to get your needs met and to rest and do whatever it is you needed to do. You're not on your own with it. Instead of trying to push through and trying to parent whenever you're not feeling well or whenever you're just tired or exhausted or feeling just burnt out. So yeah, th so that's it all makes sense. I, for me, when I look at it that way, it all makes sense. That's how we are meant to live. And, you know, here's the thing. Look, we can't go back. I'm not suggesting we go back and begin to live like hunter gatherers again. This is completely unrealistic. And I don't want to romanticize that hunter gatherer lifestyle either. It's tough and they don't live that long. Um, and, you know, it's it's a it's all about survival. But there's I think but what we can do is that we can, you know, by observing how we evolve to rear children in this way, we can gain these really valuable insights into why it's so hard to raise children in these small nuclear families that we've created. So, you know, maybe the next time it's like a rainy Sunday and you've been alone with your kids like all day and everyone's ready to kill each other, or, you know, you're being really hard on yourself for not wanting to play with your child or, because you've been hard on yourself because you've lost your patience with them it's just been the final straw it's been the day of them making demands and you've just lost your cool with them and i invite you just to remember that how we are living it isn't set up to support children or parents it's not how we're meant to live um and yeah i mean that can uh, it's not my intention to you know we can feel a little bit helpless like how can we change this um and we can't go back to those ways, but I think we can learn from them. We can take these principles and really learn from them. Um, and I think the, the biggest thing that I have taken away is that um, it's given me a huge amount of compassion towards myself, towards other parents and towards our children as well. You know, when times are tough, that uh, it's just to remember that this isn't how we were meant to live. And we're not failing individually. We're not failing. We're doing our best. And this is a difficult situation. And I think even just that, like that bringing in that self-compassion towards how hard it is um, and th that understanding that we are all doing our best, it allows us to, 
to go easier on ourselves, to give ourselves a break, to remind ourselves that, you know, it's not us getting it wrong. It's like, this is a, a much bigger issue than, than just ourselves there one-to-one -one with, with our child. Um, and then I think as well, whenever we bring in that compassion, that we're not blaming ourselves, and that's what an individualistic society does, it blames the individual. Whenever we can shift ourselves out of that blaming, blaming of ourselves, and we can move into compassion towards ourselves and towards others, then that's when we can, that frees up our thinking and we can really um, start thinking about how can we take these lessons um, and recreate that kind of community in small ways and even small little things that we do uh, that are in line with these principles can make huge difference in our lives. Uh, while we wait for the um, big structural changes that we need to bring more community and, and to, to get back to living with those principles in ways that, 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 that um, people will thrive. So let's think about a few small things and I'd love for you to share with me, I would absolutely love to hear the things that you are doing uh, to build community and the things that have made a difference to you. You know, maybe you can start conversations with other parents in your community and try to share childcare more or have more um, regular play dates or meetups uh, in the local park or after school so that you are sharing the burden. Uh, or maybe you can do what my family's done and, and go on holiday with other family or friends with young children and share the load and notice the difference that it makes. Now, I know that can come with all its own problems. And for many of us, it's not a safe space being with family. There can be difficulties there. So if it's going to be actually more stressful, then that's maybe not a good choice to make. You will know yourself. Maybe there's a friend rather than a family member that you might be able to go away together with. Um, and another thing that you can definitely do is to build the emotional support network for yourself through listening partnerships. And I, that's something that's really made such a huge difference to me in my parenting is having a group, a network of parents who um, are thinking the same way and who we offer each other emotional support. And if you want to know more about listening partnerships, I have done podcast episodes on it. And you can also just message me, reply to my email, um, message me on Facebook or on Instagram, and I can send you more information about listening partnerships. They're free. They're easy to set up. They, you can set them up really quickly without any experience and you can get started in building more emotional support into your life and into your parenting. So I would love to hear what you think of this episode because it's just struck me that these concepts have struck me so deeply and, and um, I've been thinking about them a lot over these last few weeks. So I'd love to hear if the same has been for you. Um, and I ask you if this has been helpful to you and if there's other people in your community that you think need to hear this, I would love for you to share this episode with them. Um, that would make a huge difference to me. And, you, and that is also part of it's getting this shared understanding, sharing this information with other parents um, and finding those parents that get it as well and who resonate with these ideas. Um, and that can, that can go a long way to starting these conversations and starting to build your own community of support. So yes, share it with another parent. I would love you to do that. Reply to me um, and let me know what you think. I would love to hear that as well. So thank you for listening this week and 
one final thing is that this if you're listening to this before Tuesday the 7th of November I have a free live training that I am doing which is uh, the strong will child survival guide it's 10 of the key insights that I have come to over um, my 12 years of parenting a strong will child and things that I've learned the hard way that I'm going to share with you to make parenting so much easier so all you need to do to join that training is to jump into my Facebook group and I will put the link to that in my show notes. It's called um, Peacefully Parenting Under Eights. So if you join that Facebook group um, and tune in, I'm going to do a Facebook Live at 8pm UK time on Tuesday, the 7th of 7th or the 9th. It is the Tuesday the 7th, um, just a few days time. Tuesday the 7th of November at 8pm UK time that is midday on the Pacific coast and it is uh, 3pm in New York time. Um, I would love to see you there. So thanks for listening and I'll talk to you all again next week.